ReachMD XM157 now presents this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health. A treatment that uses adult stem cells to rebuild failing hearts, once believed to be impossible, is making progress helping patients rebound from severe coronary artery disease, a leading killer of people around the world. Welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Douglas Lasordo. Dr. Lasordo is director of Northwestern University's Feinberg Cardiovascular Institute and head of the program in cardiovascular regenerative medicine. An internationally recognized cardiologist and physician scientist, Dr. Lasordo conducts research in stem cell biology tissue repair, and regeneration with a focus on developing therapies for cardiovascular disease. Previously, Dr. Lasordo served Tufts University in Boston and St. Elizabeth's Medical Center as Professor of Medicine and Chief of Cardiovascular Research, respectively. He brought with him to Chicago 15 members of his laboratory and clinical research team, and he joins us from Chicago today. Dr. Lasordo, welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD. It's a pleasure to be with you, Bruce. So tell us, if you will, about this exciting work you and your team brought from Boston to Chicago. It's very interesting. I mean, a lot of people know about stem cells. They hear about cloning. They hear about embryonic research. But in fact, what you guys are doing are taking stem cells from a patient and making their heart better. And tell us about where you're at with that and where we're going. Well, sure. So it's a great time to be talking about this. We're right at about the 10th year anniversary of our lab's discovery of the adult stem cell for growing blood vessels. So previous to that discovery, it was really thought that the only way that adults could grow new blood vessels was by sprouting them, if you will, from pre-existing blood vessels. And our laboratory's team found a circulating cell in the bloodstream of adults that was capable of growing new blood vessels, if you will, in a place where No blood vessels had previously existed. Now, that may sound like a very subtle and almost maybe boring scientific discovery, but in reality, that discovery really changed the way that we thought about blood vessel formation in adults because that ability to form a blood vessel in a previously avascular space was prior to that discovery thought to occur only in embryonic life. And so the fact that adults contain these stem cells that can contribute to new blood vessel formation changed the landscape entirely because it made us realize that it was possible for us to provide the building blocks for a new blood vessel from these stem cells that we could harvest from patients. And over the past decade, we've developed a body of evidence in preclinical models and animal studies, and now early clinical evidence in our patients that that strategy may actually pay off, that we can actually extrapolate from this natural biology in patients and therapeutically benefit patients who really are otherwise kind of at the end of the therapeutic road. They've exhausted all of the conventional therapies and still have severe angina or heart failure or leg pain, claudication, or even critical of ischemia. And those are the studies that we're pursuing right now is to try to apply a patient's own stem cells to help restore circulation, alleviate symptoms, and maybe even restore function to people. And Dr. Lasordo, I've had the benefit of having written about this. And last year, the first trial was of just 24 patients, but it was impressive enough to allow 
yourself and Baxter International, just north of Chicago, is also involved onto the second of three phases that typically required by the FDA. And in the first phase, if you will, most patients needed to take you know, fewer nitrate tablets and can resume routine activities such as walking or retrieving the mail. They were unable to do before the trial began, but you've entered an even more exciting phase. And if you could talk about that and where we're at. Sure. So that small pilot that you mentioned, the 24-patient pilot, we asked a lot of it, frankly. We really put ourselves in a corner and demanded that that study show us some real evidence for bioactivity if we were going to proceed with this program. And when we uh, opened up the envelope, if you will, at the end of the study and looked at the treatment assignment, the treatment groups in this placebo-controlled study, we're happy to see that every single one of the endpoints that we assessed in patients, chest pain, nitro use, exercise time, perfusion scans, everything pointed towards a beneficial effect in the patients who received a dose of their own stem cells compared to the placebo controls. And so, as you point out, that gave us confidence to proceed to a next phase study, which is well underway now, 150 patient trial that is employing that same strategy, collecting stem cells from patients, purifying them on the device that you mentioned that's manufactured by Baxter, and then administering those cells or a placebo control to patients with intractable angina, patients who have had all the bypass surgery, angioplasty, and stenting, and are taking all the medicines that they can and still have very severe angina. Uh, And we're about 120 patients into that 150-patient trial. We hope to be reporting results of that study by the middle to the end of next year. If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and with me today from his offices in Chicago at Northwestern University's Feinberg Cardiovascular Institute is Dr. Douglas Lasordo, who is doing some interesting research on using stem cells actually taken from an adult and injecting them into a patient's heart in hopes of rebuilding the heart. And this study is not in early stages that you often hear about. It's in a second phase. And it uses an interesting machine, Dr. Lasordo, that a lot of medical professionals out there might be familiar with if they're in the oncology field. It's an Isolex stem cell separator is sort of the simple name for it. And if you could tell us a little bit about how that machine is used today and how it is used in your research, because the interesting thing there is, is that this is a device that's already approved. It already has FDA approval, and you're just studying it for another potential usage. Well, the story is an interesting one. So this, as you mentioned, is a device that was approved many years ago for the selection of stem cells for stem cell transplantation in the setting of cancer. So, for example, if patients are having a stem cell transplant to restore their bone marrow after chemotherapy or radiation, this device was shown to be helpful in selecting the stem cells that were required for a successful transplant. What turned out that the blood vessel stem cells, the endothelial stem cells that we have shown are useful for restoring circulation, also carry the same surface marker that CD34 surface marker that marks the cells that can reconstitute the bone marrow. So perhaps not surprisingly, as a stem cell, these CD34 stem cells are capable of achieving multiple destinies, both restoring bone marrow but also rebuilding blood vessels. And so this device takes advantage of that 
surface marker, uses an antibody to pull the stem cells out of the general circulation of mononuclear cells, lets the mononuclear cells wash out and delivers a purified preparation of these stem cells, which we've shown the purified preparation is much more potent and probably safer to use than the unselected mononuclear cell population. So it was a somewhat serendipitous application of this approved technology that actually led us to seek out Baxter as a partner, and they've uh, they've been now very excited about developing regenerative medicine as a focus of their R&D program. The trial obviously comes with risk as well as potentially skepticism because there was a study about a year ago that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association that indicated that another stem cell therapy, and you can correct me on this, that used a hormone to spur stem cell growth didn't really progress. But what you guys are doing is different. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of people, when they think, oh, no, that didn't work or wasn't headed in in the right direction. But what you guys are doing is different. And actually, that's a great counterpoint to the approach that we've taken. So the mobilization of stem cells, some hoped, would be sufficient. Just getting the stem cells to come out of the bone marrow into the circulation has been shown in certain settings in preclinical studies and animal studies to be beneficial. But in our patients who are very sick and whose arteries are severely diseased, we showed in our preclinical studies that just the mobilization procedure itself was not sufficient to restore circulation and that one really needed to collect these cells, to purify them, and directly deliver them into the area of the heart muscle where new blood vessels needed to be grown. So we weren't surprised by that result of that mobilization study. It was very consistent to the preclinical data that we had generated. And it was really what led us ultimately to devise this strategy of the direct delivery of the stem cells into the target tissue. So we're really concentrating the dose of this therapeutic cell exactly where it's needed. Well, Dr. Lasordo, this has been a very interesting topic. Stem cells to rebuild failing hearts. Dr. Douglas Lasordo of Tufts University has been our guest. My name is Bruce Japson. I'm the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune. I want to thank Dr. Douglas Lasordo of Northwestern University, who's been our guest. We've been discussing stem cells to rebuild failing hearts. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show in on-demand podcasts. And I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to our special series, Exploring Heart Health. Join us all month for more here on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. How did one invention lead to two firsts? You'll find out on Spotlight on Medical History. It started with a need to perform cataract surgery better. There were the old ways of the grinding tool and the very careful touches to remove the cataract inflictions, but they just weren't accurate enough. The results were better than having the patient go blind, but they required much aftercare, and the recovery time was difficult for the patient. The year was 1988, and new machinery from space exploration and military uses were just now becoming to be incorporated into medical research. And along came Dr. Patricia Bath. She had graduated from the Howard University School of Medicine in 1968 and specialized in corneal transplant. 
she was certain there had to be something available to prevent blindness and to treat those who were losing their sight. And that is when she became interested in the power of the laser. Her passionate dedication to this research transformed eye surgery. Because of the cataract laser phaco probe, cataracts could now be quickly and painlessly vaporized. All it took was a touch of the laser, and for the first time, cataracts were no longer the sight stealers they had been from the beginning of time. And this laser gave Patricia Bath, a New York-born ophthalmologist, moved to L.A., her first patent for a medical invention, a first for an African-American woman. She did not stop there. She has since come up with another invention that restored sight to people who had been blind for more than 30 years. She went on to hold patents in Japan, Canada, and Europe, and was the founder and first president of the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness. Today, she is a member of the Hunter College Hall of Fame and a Howard University pioneer in academic medicine. Millions of people around the world no longer have to worry about losing their sight to cataracts because of the dedication of this woman. And that's a Spotlight on Medical History. I'm Christopher Michael.